And we're live. All right, this is the Coach House Podcast, sponsored by Sports Rehab PA. And uh, tonight, Mike, another special guest, uh, another great job by yourself, um, bringing this guy in. You guys go back a while uh, with your OCR racing. Um, this guy is a three-time Spartan Ultra Beast Marathon finisher, two-time World's Toughest Mudder, 24-hour a 50 plus mile finisher. He's an Alpha Warrior Pro Coach, Power Systems Master Coach, a Spartan SGX Coach, and the U.S. Army Boss Strong Coach. Yo, we got a bad ass motherfucker on the line tonight. <laughs> you got an old resume. There's some things that have changed there. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna let you elaborate. Uh, but I, I'm sure, I'm sure it goes more than that. That's that's for sure. Um, Michael, how are you tonight? Good, man. Good. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this, man. I'm pumped up about this podcast. Yeah, this is, this is, this is some really good stuff. This, uh, this is right in your wheelhouse and this is where I'm going to kind of get a little bit more of an education understanding. And I have some questions as well. Um, but without further ado, man, I want to introduce our special guest tonight, Yancey Colt, straight from Texas. What up boy? Hey, thank y'all for, for having me on. I look forward to, uh, as we say in Texas, shooting shit. Let's do it. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, thank you guys for, for having me on. I, I would say any topic is open for discussion. I, I have the great opportunity to go on podcasts a lot, and I am normally the one that they have to cut off. I, I, I like to think I make a – I'm not very good at much, half-ass at most, but what I am good about is I'm good at shooting the shit and talking about everything. So it, it, that, that seems to do well on podcasts, man. I love to freaking roll. <laughs> you know what? It's, yeah. my, it's my favorite thing. I walk on a daily basis, and I make sure that I listen to a different podcast each time I go. And it, it's just, you know, I get to do two things at one time. Now, we also Zoom this, which I turn into a, you know, uh, a YouTube as well. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, it's, it's just great listening. You get an education, you find out about people. I think with Corona, I think it's really opened the doors for a lot more people to be engaging and do this stuff. So Mike and I, honestly, that's when we took advantage of this. We sat one day, he called me and said, let's go, let's go with this podcast already. I said, all right, let's do it. And we've been on a roll. We've been almost every week. I think we missed one week so far, but then we filled it in with two in one week. Um, but I mean, this is, this is all about learning. Um, you know, the, the regional areas where we're hitting right now, but we're looking to, to take it in a wider stream. And obviously the more people we bring on from, you know, all different parts of the world, really, um, I think that's going to really help, you know, get this podcast really up and up and going. Um, but I mean, really why we do this is because we want to know about, you know, the individual that we're bringing on. So kind of get into a little backstory and, and tell everyone, you know, a, a, about how you got into this, um, where it kind of all started. Speaking of podcasts, you guys know, or you maybe you don't know, Joe DeSena was on Joe Rogan today. You guys really? So here in a couple of days, we're going to be able to hear Joe on Joe's show. I'm, I'm a massive podcast fan. And, and I think I love what you guys are doing. And I think Rogan is the ultimate, um, you know, that is an, that's an avenue where you can listen for three plus hours and it's entertaining. And, and that's, 
you know, the one thing I want to try to do is just do just just give it to you guys. Anything you want to hear about, I'll, I'll unload. But, you know, my my background is, is an interesting one when, when you talk about uh, deep diving into what I do now, which is so much based around fitness, fitness coaching with a very broad spectrum. Uh, I, I was uh, I was a competitive athlete in high school, had the wonderful opportunity. I like to say I, st I stomped on the campus, University of North Texas, mad that I had a track scholarship and not a football scholarship. Um, I'm five nine. You know, back then I was like probably five seven, five eight, one fifty on a good day. Just football wasn't the thing. But I was I was blessed with, with decent running uh, skills from from mom and dad, um, and you know was was diving into things like psychology and taking all these random classes. Then I find myself in the military and I become a helicopter mechanic. And for a while, I thought I was going to be a helicopter mechanic for the rest of my life. You know, I, I became, a, you know, I was a mechanic working on the H-53 Echo, the largest, most powerful helicopter on the planet. Well, so with, with my high school and, and college running and whatnot, in the military, I was, I was in pretty good shape. You know, I was, I was like a cyborg runner for, for military standards, active duty military standards. And I remember this day, uh, our commanding officer, somebody under him said, Yancey, we're going to put you in charge of taking care of what we called back then the fat bodies, the fat bodies, anybody that couldn't pass the PT test here. I was a guy that didn't have a certification to my name. Uh, I was a helicopter mechanic and, you know, with some, with some running experience and sports experience. And they put me in charge of taking care of everybody that needed to pass their six month test. So they were kicked out of the Navy. Well, the, the unique piece of the equation there was, it wasn't long until I realized that I really enjoyed, I don't know what, I didn't know what the hell I was doing as far as coaching was concerned, but I realized I enjoyed coaching. Um, and I, I went on to, I, I got out of the military, had, had, a, had a blast. I was really, was able to really dive in to, to fitness, stay very active with, there's all kinds of competitions you can, you can compete in while, while you're in. And I got really into to powerlift. I was a powerlifter in high school, and I got back into powerlifting. And uh, anyway, got out and was a uh, was working in the corporate world, managing down on several military bases. Uh, I was a general manager at Camp Pendleton uh, Naval Air Station, North Island. I uh, Naval uh, Naval uh, Air Station uh, El Centro and and Camp Pendleton, which used to be a Navy base, which is now a Marine Corps base. So I was bouncing all around Southern California managing refueling operations uh, in the aviation world on, on, the, on the air bases for the, for the military. And the company I was working for, we, we also dabbled in uh, managing FBOs, which is fixed base operations, which we took care of the people that could afford to fly around in five to 10, $15 million jets, transferred to, actually, let me back up to California. So what I started doing in California was I started moonlighting in fitness. Got my, I got my first official certification and became a personal trainer 1997 i believe at the ymca in san diego what? and and here i was busier than a three-legged cat covering up shit with all the corporate stuff that i had going on and i was falling you know i was falling in love with this 15 dollar job an hour job personal training man i was just yeah. i was loving it it was just one of those things where you know you're taking care of somebody and it's just coming back to you tenfold Yep. You, you guys know when you, when you help a client alleviate an injury, I mean, a do it. chronic issue they've been dealing with for 10 years, 
and now you you heal them. So it was just um, I fell in love with with fitness and 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 just in a radically cool way. And so from that point forward, I moonlighted. Uh, with fitness while I, after I moved to Austin, actually back up San Diego again, I played semi-pro football for the San Diego North County Cheetahs. Uh, remember when I said I stomped onto the campus in North Texas mad that I had a track scholarship? That's, that's how it went? So here I am 25 years old and I had really, you know, now, now I'm a full grown man. I'm 5'9", 165 now. Big dude. So I decided to play <laughs> semi-pro football and, and just again, you know, I, I was really into the training aspect a little more now, and I was uh, working out with purpose, and, and I love that, um, but just really was able to, to fall in love with, with fitness, um, you know, from coaching in the military, the, the personal training at the YMCA, that started to expand, and, and then I moved to Austin, and I was uh, managing at the uh, fixed space operation at Austin Bergstrom International Airport, and coaching morning boot camps, I gone on to get some more certifications. And so I'm coaching morning boot camps, 4.30, 5.30 in the morning, uh, evening boot camps. I did that from 2005 until 2012. And in between that, working your, your corporate job? The corporate job the whole time, man. Managing hundreds of oh, employees, man. very high-stress job, which I love. I mean, I'm an ADD. Um, I don't know if you guys know the Enneagram. I'm a seven. I'm a radical seven. High energy. If it if things slow down a little bit, I, I start to get depressed. I like having seventeen things going on. So I loved how active my, my life was. But my wife, um, around two thousand twelve, she's a registered dietitian. She became the director of sports performance nutrition for University of Texas athletic department. Which now she's in the she is now in the world of uh, of making the nice monthly salary and having the insurance and whatnot. So I bail from the corporate world and dive in headfirst into fitness, um, grow, grow our business there, and, and really haven't looked back from a full-time perspective since 2012 and just really dabbled with uh, uh, a lot of – gone down a lot of different fitness avenues that, that would – man, it would be like seven different podcasts to talk about all the, the various things. But, but man, we can, we, can, we can go down as many of the trails you, want, you guys want to go down today. But long story short – I fell in love from, from the 99 percenters, just the general masses that want to be a little better version of themselves, to the 1 percenters that, that are, that are tra really training for something specific. From A to Z and everything in between, I fell in love with, with serving people in a way to where they would work uh, fitness into their lifestyle long-term and understand the long-term benefits of that. And no matter who I was training, from a, from a Ryan Kent, uh, down to the person that's trying to lose 50 pounds, you know, trying to do it in a way, you know, my motto is first thing I tell my client on day one is if we're doing something in a way where you're going to wake up in 20, 30, 40 years now and not really look back and say, man, I, I enjoyed that process. Right. right. That kind of changed my life. Not, if we're not doing it that way, we got to adjust right now. I don't care if you're yep. training for World championships. I want you to, I want to, fitness to be in your lifestyle in a way that you you cherish every day you look you look forward to it every single day and you're going to regret nothing down the road so anyway yes yeah, so how did you get involved with, with ocr when did you first step into that and then start coaching these athletes or even doing it yourself so i i like to tell a story that i my very first race you know 
Warrior Dash 2011. I walked into the, I was a really strong run at the time. I walked into the course, nail biting, nervous, just like everybody else. Didn't know what the hell OCR was. So obstacles, like there's no way I can complete those. Now you look back and those are like little speed bumps, you know, <laughs> but, but when you first see them for the first time, you, you, you know, you're, you're, you're crazy nervous. And I was in heaven, man. I, in short time, I, my, my second OCR, no, my third OCR was Vermont, the freaking first ultra beast. I dove in head first. Oh, Shortly man. after that, I did the 72 hour death race. Go big so or go in, about, in about a two year period, I had done the craziest of the long to the shortest. And as anything that was out there from like 2011, 12 and 13, I, I tried to try a little bit of all of it. And in 2014, early on that year, like January, February, I started coaching a couple very high-level athletes, um, uh, fist bumps to Isaiah Vidal, uh, April D, and several others. And we, we dove in head first. I, I mean, there wasn't really many – you know, OCR is one of those sports where I'm a firm believer. I, I feel blessed that I, that I was young enough when it started to be able to race and get out on course and get my hands and my mind all over it. You, you know, you know, Mike, the, it's, it's one of those sports where if you've never done it, I would say it's hard. It would be hard to be as good as coach as you could possibly be if you haven't ever experienced. Because every race I've ever done, I leave that course that day and I feel like I'm a little better coach. But long story short, I dove in really deep with April and Isaiah and a couple other high levels. And they had a phenomenal year at, uh, at World Championships in Vermont. And it just kind of started uh, – you know, I got to where I had a pretty large number of high-level athletes and got to the point where, you know, you have to say no. You guys know you can only take care of so many clients full-time until you start to dilute the level of service you can provide for them. And that's when I launched Yancey Camp. So we were able to, you know, if, if you've got you got Ryan Kent here that I'm coaching, you know, you can sign on for the Ryan Yancey plan and kind of get a glimmer of, of, of what it looks like he does each week. Uh, I'm not coaching you full time, but you're getting a lot for a little. So it allowed me to kind of scale what I was was able uh, able to provide. That's that's an interesting model. Yeah, I've been doing that for about five and a half half years now. We have uh, we've had thousands of clients from all from probably thirty plus countries over the years. Um, just just had a lot of success. You know, here here's the thing with that is, you know. 90% of my clients, 90% of the people that race um, are just trying to complete that race. They may walk the race. Yep. You know, they, may, they may fail seven obstacles the first time they do it. In many cases, you know, you, the most rewarding thing I get as a coach is when somebody calls me and say, Coach, I ran my first clean race today. And they've been yep. trying for four years and they didn't fail a single obstacle. Or, Coach, I didn't have to walk a single time out on course. We love – you guys know if somebody comes in your clinic, you love if some Olympic athlete or NFL athlete comes in there the one percenters I call them, but the, the, the greatest rewards are, are working with the 99, the 99 percenters, uh, no matter what we do yeah. from a, in the rehab world or the coaching world, you know, the ones that you guys are getting back, you're getting back to work so they can provide for their family because you've rehabbed them or um, they're, they're losing 50 pounds because it, now they're able to, to be a better version of themselves to their family every day yeah. because of something that we've done we've done for them. So, but really and truly, uh, yeah, I look back, I would have loved to, uh, when I was running, you know, sub four 20 minute miles, I would, I would love to have that type, you know, I'd love to be diving into a stadium race back when I was in, in college, but 
um, you, you know, I'm, I'm glad it came along when I was young enough to still have the ability to go out there and enjoy the, the experiences that the OCR courses provide. Yeah, I, um, I did a, a course, a Tough Mudder course back in 2010 because I wanted to prove to myself that, that I could do one, right? Yeah. So I decided to take on the 12 mile one as my first one, right? Like why not just jump in? Um, but I see your shirt there, right? We got a deck of fit, you know, with, with uh, Spartan. Um, and I did the Tough Mudder. What is the difference between a Tough Mudder and Spartan races? Is there That's a, a difference? Question. No, um, I, I think there's, there's a very distinct difference and they both, both two very successful brands in their own right um tough mudder for the most part as always other, other than 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 it used to be just one race but but even in their their prime when they were doing a little more competitive stuff for the most part everything you did with tough mudder was about bringing everybody together in a, in a, in a on a course where 90 percent of the people that were out there could not finish that course unless they banded together and helped each other and spartan was always about you know providing a very competitive atmosphere if you wanted to compete, even for the open category of people. Now, there's a lot of bleed over. Uh, you created this beautiful camaraderie about getting out on the course and, and, and enjoying uh, the atmosphere out on course in the festival areas. So a lot of, a lot of commonalities, but uh, the, the key difference is, is, is Spartan was always provided the competitive nature and Tough Mudder gave you that opportunity a couple times a year, but for the most part, it was 10,000 people showing up at a course and the obstacles designed in a way where it wasn't about competing. It was about getting through, getting through it together. And, and as, as you probably know, Joe DeSena and Spartan recently purchased the, the, the Tough Mudder brand in a time that was, you know, I, I use the analogy of, it was a tough time. You know, you, you're going around a sharp cur curve on the side of a mountain and the speed limit sign says 40 and there's no guardrail. You better keep it at 40 or things are going to get dangerous. You know, Joe, Joe will take a corner at 60 with no guardrail. He's a risky guy, and most great entrepreneurs, business people are. He's not afraid to take risk. And that was a that was a 40-mile corner that he took at 60 with no guardrail. And it was risky, but it was it was it was an amazing move because the community, there, there's millions out there that have enjoyed that race. And it was a beautiful brand that was going to die. It was gonna be dead on the vine. And if, I don't know if you saw today on social media, they just launched their, their schedule for, for next year. Love so you have, you have a very powerful brand. And I can tell you behind the scenes, having the wonderful opportunity to work with Spartan and all their executives and various uh, uh, avenues is there's, there's, a lot of gr there's a lot of greatness on that team. And there's a lot of neat things coming from, from Tough Mudder. And they want to do – they really want to – they're working hard to maintain what the brand was. Um, just have the, the, you know, the production team and all the teams that required to run a good business. It's, I would say that it's going to be stronger in many ways behind the scenes than it was before. <clears throat> so a couple of reasons why I wanted to bring uh, you on, Yancey, was because, you know, with what Sports Rehab is, is this is actually um, Joe's brand. Joe <clears throat> got into uh, working with high school, college athletes, mostly after um, big injuries, ACL, meniscus, stuff like that. And the problem is, is there was no uh, gap from uh, physical therapy back into the sport. It was just, you look good, so we're going to clear you. And you had all these kids going back, unconditioned, not stable. I mean, we're still seeing it. So there was still a lot of cleanup that needs to be done on the PT side, but then also there's a place for that transition back into the conditioning. Um, 
Now, as we're starting to look at fitness, we start to talk to these high school and college athletes about what it takes to almost get fit, basically. And I know when I was in high school, I didn't know about any of the training that I'm doing now. And I wish I did because I would have loved to see what I could accomplish on the track and field and cross-country course. But would have had the baseline of what, what I know now. But we just didn't. We went into the weight room, and you did bullshit. You did bicep curls, some bench press. Like, nothing translated or spoke the language of the sport as a mile or 800 meter or whatever. Now we know these things and we're trying to teach these kids what exercises, what stuff to do. And I feel like with the boom of the CrossFit and the OCR and this model, we're seeing these workouts that you could get a lot of stuff accomplished in like a half hour or you could go and you could do a two hour big bang workout of whatever you want to accomplish. And we're trying to, you know, teach these kids that, you know, this type of concept of fitness as you type the preach is not just even for OCR, but it's overall for making people better. So that's why we're really excited to bring you on to talk about this because I see, I'll go on your story on Instagram on a weekend and I see what you're doing with the, with the local high school, the Cedar Park Timberwolves. And yeah. I see what you're doing like OCR related, out of the box type stuff, you know, and then we're looking at, you know, some of the stuff that's going on with the kids here and it's like stuff still back from like the 90s and there's like no rhyme or reason. So this is a great time to talk about how we could see all this fitness stuff coming together because you know, obstacle course racing, and while, you know, we want to call it CrossFit or not, basically the whole discrepancy was going on, whatever's going to happen with that name, the idea of that type of, you know, fitness is starting to boom. I mean, the, the idea of doing, like, an hour on the elliptical and an hour of some weights and stuff, that's kind of gone. More people are doing, like, you know, all these workouts out of the park, out on, on – you're seeing people build obstacle courses in their backyard now. This is just, like, the way things are going now. And they're even revamping it in the Army, as you know. I think you were part of um, – what was that really cool project you did where you brought those obstacles on for – was it Air Force yeah. Army? And yeah. No, that was um, – I was a boss strong coach for the U.S. Army for, for two years working, working for, for Alpha Warrior. Yes, yes Alpha Warrior. They, uh, they, every year you get five what they called celebrity coaches. Well, I was the celebrity OCR coach. Um, the other ones were actual celebrity coaches. They were, they were badasses. But – um, we would fi uh, five teams of six would compete, you know, but hundred plus army bases, you know, they compete to have the, the final five teams that make it. And it's like 15 days of just nonstop mental and physical conditioning and, and training and competing and, and ultimately come up with one, one winning team. But yeah, we were plugging in functional fitness at bases all over the, uh, the world, big focus on the air force, uh, and the army, actually the air force bought into it more than the, the army, but, um, you know, you are seeing more, you know, the army just adopted the new AC, ACFT training. It's much more it used to be just running, uh, push up sit-ups yeah. and it's much, much more, it's much more functional now. Um, but you know, I think the, you have seen a shift. If you look at strength and conditioning coaches at the very high level, D1 colleges and, and, and professional level even, you're seeing more, um, you know, at least more like mesocycles work throughout the year of functional training, making us, us a better well-rounded athlete. And then, and then meshing in some of the typical actually, hey, let's improve our, let's improve our one, one max rep, for example. Let's improve our just football-specific power and explosion. But but really working in some of the uh, you know the the year-round training and cycles that I think go a long way towards injury injury prevention 
and making a uh, a better well-rounded um, athlete. We uh, I was the coach or the strength and fitness coach for Father Judge Soccer for nine years, and we were never able to get weight room time, right? Because obviously the football team or wrestling or the cheerleaders, they all had weight room time. We mm-hmm. never did. Everything that I did was functional. I came with bands. I came with cones. I came with med balls. I, and we just did everything right out on the field. And to this day, well, first off, we won three championships while I was there in the nine years. And to this day, I still have these kids coming back and talking about those type of workouts and how they've never been in such shape in their life. And all I did was I kept it, I mean, basic for the most part, right? I mean, push-ups, burpees, split jumps, lunges, you know, and then you're just taking the movements of sport, backpedal, side shuffle, and then maybe add in some med balls. But I mean, and they were the best in shape players. We had no injuries in the nine years that I was there, no significant injuries under my watch. You know, uh, there were two kids that, that tore ACLs and they were actually early preseason ones uh, before I actually even got, you know, to help them. But I mean, we just kept it functional and it kept them healthy. Yeah. No, it's, it's been, uh, there, there's definitely, there's definitely a shift from the highest of the highest level of strength and conditioning coaches um, just, just the full gamut of, of, of fitness in, in general, you're seeing a shift in the way that, that we're training. I really think, um, you know, I like giving, I like giving uh, CrossFit and OCR and other things a little, a little credit. It's not debatable. CrossFit and, and OCR, in large part, OCR is Spartan plays a big role in that. Created two of the largest fitness movements the world has ever seen. Not debatable. Millions and millions of people across the world are more fit today because of those specific movements. Yeah. You know, we have the running movement, we have the triathlon movement, we have various movements, but but these are um, these are movements that cha- really and truly change the the game. And you know, I'm not I'm not I'm personally not a big fan of just like all CrossFit. But just that type of training meshed in, I think, is a, uh, is, is a game changer. There's a bunch, you know, you look at the start line of, of, a, uh, of a Spartan race these days, and I'm telling you, there's a bunch of freaking cyborgs. If you look at the start line of the elite Spartan race, and it, here's the, the comparison I like to make as far as, you know, who are the best well-rounded athletes. Really and truly, I've always said the best, the most well-rounded athletes are Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, Green Berets, because physically they are cyborgs and mentally they are cyborgs. Well, from a, men- a physical perspective, if you look at the starting line of, of, of a Spartan race, I know that I would never compare them mentally to our special forces, but physically they have the same type of bodies. You don't see, there's a few outliers like a Marcus Dutrell, big, big, strong guy, huge guy, but most of them are, they're, they're, they're in the 5'9", 165 range. That, that, that's like give or take 10 pounds either way, you know, or height and differences. They're, they're just, they're strong. They're fast. They have great endurance. They have great balance. They have great hand-eye coordination, agility. They have no weaknesses for the, for the most part. There's nothing you can throw them in. No situation can you throw them in that they're not going to be able to perform better than 99% of people walking the planet. Well, that's exactly what o- OCR has provided us. Mike, you know, you go out, we go on all these courses and man, you don't, it's going to be, you never know exactly what's going to be, be thrown at you. And you have to navigate some pretty crazy shit. Um, and that takes, 
traditional training is not going to get you you prepared for that. Now, I know when we're talking about specific sports, you know, certain dialed-in periodization and trying to improve speed, power, agility, certain things, uh, a jumping ability. There's obviously some very specific training that we are going to, to dive into. But, yeah, I love – I think it's it's twofold. The athletes that I get to train at Cedar Park High School, I think one of the things they love about it is a good program that people love is always going to be more successful than this meticulously great program that we spent three months to build. And we got this beautiful freaking spreadsheet, and nobody likes it. Nobody wants to be there to do it. Which one's going to be the most successful? I mean, you've got to be – the creativity and me throwing some fun competitions in there – and just some really wild movements that they've never done before and just making it creative. And I always say, here, here's the thing, and you guys could probably, you know, in, in your field or my field, there's a little bit of science that you can't step away from ever. But from a fitness coach perspective, as long as you have a good foundation of science, you're like an artist, a chef, a poet, a writer. You need to have a level of creativity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, as a fitness coach, if I'm not creative, I'm a piss poor fitness coach because we are artists in our own. There, there's 10,000 different exercises we can choose from. If you, once you know movement, there's no end to what you can create unless you get freaking lazy. Now, if I throw the same, if I'm a, if I become a copy and paste coach, even in your world, if you throw the exact same stuff from every time, they're going to get sick and tired of coming. You throw some new, I mean, it may be a way to open up the hip flexor and because you have your mind going, like you, once we understand the basics of science and movement and anatomy and physiology, we, we never, there's no end to creativity we can get with creating. And man, that's exciting for our clients. Mike, have so, you ever, have you ever done an exercise or instructed an exercise? Yancey, same thing. Like, have you ever instructed an exercise and then they do it wrong or differently and you go, you know what? Absolutely. I can, I can, I can actually probably take that piece and, and, you know, and all of a sudden now you're on the cuff, you know, off the, you know, on the fly, boom. And now you go, you know what, let's do this exercise instead. And now you've created a whole nother exercise and you go, all right, write that down in the book, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, We've talked about this, Joe, but every time I've heard um, even top trainers at work with these pro-level athletes, you know, they say your biggest job is not to mess them up. Sometimes these guys are genetic phenomenons, and we have that even in, uh, in OCR. We have a guy like uh, Ryan Atkins. He's just a genetic – he could just transition from every type of challenge you put at him, and he's just really good at that. I mean, not everybody has that. I mean, some people have to work a little harder on some things. People need more rest, all these things. So we're starting to notice that. You know, you have to kind of find the right algorithm for the individual. So there's all these training programs out there. Everyone's got a training program now. I mean, I really think Yancey's is probably one of the first for OCR. Now all of a sudden you're starting to see all these little coaching things branch off. But you're starting to see a lot of similar concepts. And as, like, when OCR first came out, I feel like a lot of people didn't really know how to train for it. I was like, what is this? i got to be able to run fast, run up mountains, carry heavy shit. I'm wet. <laughs> I'm in mud. Like, how do I deal with all this? And But – I remember, like when Joe DeSanta talked about his first race at, uh, at you know, Vermont at his uh, his farm there. People were pissed, but they loved it. They're like, "What the hell was that?" But that was awesome. I want to do it again. You know, and Spartan never really tried to like 
do anything to like hurt you. People were like, is that the race that electrocutes you? And I was like, no, I was like, tough mother kind of does that. But I mean, every race has a different thing, you know? And I was like, Spartan really challenges you with like this mental task of discomfort, like carry something heavy up a hill, climb over this wall, like run fast. Now you got to do this movement. And then there's now there's different variations. Now we have all the way down to deca fit, which is a new thing that they're doing that anybody could jump in. I'll let Yancey talk a little bit more about that, but you have a, a thing from people who don't want to get muddy, wet, and all that, but they want to challenge themselves with the concept of obstacle course racing all the way to, like, Ultra Beast in Iceland, where now you're going through the elements for, like, a bunch of hours, and they got to check your frostbite, you know, every lap, you know? So it's, like, these two extremes, but everyone finds where they fit, and now you're challenging yourself in this, like, ultimate fitness, and you're really starting to see, like, the epitome of human performance. I think one of the key, key pieces there is if we look at all major sports, it, they're very, very black and white. The field, the movement patterns, what you have to accomplish in that sport, that we're able to really fine tune the training. And we may have a hundred different coaches, but it's about this wide of what's going on to train that athlete. There's a little bit of deviation. Yes. With OCR, I think why, it's one of the reasons why I've had so much, I've, I've been able to be a, a, a sports performance coach in many different sports, but what I love the most about OCR is the level of creativity. And, and it, basically the bookends are much wider yep. in, in OCR. I would kind of compare it to, and I never want to compare anything to our elite forces, the special forces, but the physical training is kind of similar. If you're training a Navy SEAL and Army Ranger Green Bray, the, the bookends are wide. You're not funneling it down into very small. We got to be prepared for a lot of shit. Well, that's, you know, similar if we're going to, you know, there's new obstacles coming at us every day, new venues coming at us uh, or every year, every, every and, and, and you have to be prepared for, for that and, and the way it's presented to you. And now we're going to throw in these long carries and then these explosive. We just did a crazy long carry and now I have a 400 pound top to flip where I've got a 155 pound guy that crushed that heavy carry, but I've got to, if he can't flip that freaking tire, his race is over. Yeah, yeah, you don't live on the podium if you do burpees. So now I've got to find this beautiful balance of one rep max power yeah. and being able to be a cyborg on the side of the mountain with on the aerobic side of the house, and then throw that in a big huge two pot and mix it all up, and, and it's ever changing. So I, I love the fact that it from a coach's perspective, there will always be a lot of gray area. In, in coaching, I, I never, I never like talk bad about anybody that's, that's a training competitor of mine because on the other side, if anybody's acting like, you'll never see me act like I got the freaking best answers. I got the, I know exactly how to coach you. You're full of shit if you're, if you're waving that flag out there in OCR because, dude, it's still very new. And I don't think we'll ever be in a position where, you know, something like DecaFit or High Rocks. We're very standard, and that's a different story. I can really fine tune the coaching, little different um, avenue, and what we like, what we provide. You mentioned DecaFit. The, the the big thing there is, and, and why we came up with concept is, you know, I love the High Rocks concept, for example. But really and truly, they really lean towards the the you know the ten percenters. Um, what I wanted to when, when I pitched it to Joe is like, Joe, I want something. You know, we want to divide, we want something where if the three of us have a gym and we pulled a thousand people off the street 
and 90% of them have never been in a fitness program in their life. I want it to be so rudimentary that in a matter of seconds, they know how to do every movement in there. But it's very rudimentary, but when you combine it together, it's all the basic fitness, it's all basic fitness is combined into, into one competition. And it's a competition that nine, if you can walk and breathe, you can pretty much finish this test. And then we go back to the drawing board and we, we stay consistent with our fitness. And now we test once a quarter and you're able to formally see that the fitness needle is improving. And there's all kinds of wonderful tests out there from CrossFit to the decathlon, to the, the 5K, to the Ironman, to the Murph and all this crazy awesome stuff where we love, we, we all follow it. It's like, oh, who has the, this best time? Well, really and truly, most of that stuff is for the one percenters. Even most CrossFit wads, 90% of people on the planet can't finish any of them. Yeah. But with DecaFit, you know, when Isaiah Vidal finishes the Deca Mile in Jacksonville, says that's one of the toughest things I've ever done. When somebody at that level says that, but in the same the same field of, of play that day, whether it's Deca Strong in a gym or Deca Mile or the 5K DecaFit, 99% of the people on the planet can say, I finished that. Now we've combined probably the greatest thumbs up we got from Chris, Chris Henshaw, one of the arguably one of the greatest freaking coaches on the damn planet. Yeah. The guy's a genius. When he we've had him on uh, several Zoom calls, and he told Jared, "I said, guys, I've picked this apart, and this is maybe the most well-rounded functional fitness test for the masses I have ever seen in my life." And in the same breath, I could throw a bunch of CrossFitters in that I've coached, and they they if they go hard enough. They're going to turn themselves inside out. Yeah. So I think we really hit the mark with, with DecaFit. We're, we're really happy with what we're doing with the, the Deca Strong affiliate programs. We're, we're signing on gyms on the daily and being able to really scale training and testing with the purpose, uh, with, with, the, with the millions of members that walk into a gym every day to become a little better version of themselves. <clears throat> so I think people listening to this might think we're trying to pitch for everyone to go do OCR generally a bad thing, but at the same time, I think I want to help open people's minds that there's all these other options of fitness out there. And I think people hear Spartan Race Tough Mudder and they think it's like something where you go if you want to like almost kill yourself. And it's like, no, it's not that. Now you're starting to see this brand has all these different realms. And what like Joe and I see is even with a lot of these kids, you know, and we talked about this a little bit, Yancey, you get these high school kids that they're in three seasons throughout the whole year. They're basically like a professional athlete. They are doing soccer, you know, or, or not, not even so much football. I don't know how it's going to be out in Texas, but we get field sports here like soccer, field hockey, even basketball. And it's like school, club, and then some other like a travel team all year round. The only difference is they're not getting paid to have any sponsors. They're doing it. So I'm like trying to explain to the parents that you have your kids engaged in something which is good. It keeps them out of trouble. It keeps them focused. But there comes a point where it's like, they're doing the same thing over again and they want to perform. They want to perform. And we hear it all the time. We have parents who say, I want my kid to get faster. I want my kid to get faster. They can't even stand on one leg. I want my kid more power. They can't even squat or jump right. And that was like that big fundamental capacity screen thing. I sent you Nancy, which is a new thing that we're doing for functional movement systems. It's starting to really objectify the movement quality and looking at not only, you know, is your jumping not great, but now we can see where you're losing power. Can you even jump? further than how tall you are in centimeters. And if you can't even do that, you're leaving a lot on the field. So how do you expect to get power to go and get that layup or to go and to explode down the field when you can't even do a basic jump? So now it's going gonna, it's gonna to give us some data so we can curtail on how to train. And the reason why 
I like the stuff that you're doing, like with the kids in the high school, is you're starting to take these things that you do with Spartan racers or OCR athletes and, and all these multi-dimensional uh, fitness things, and you're giving it to them to take them a little bit away from football and challenge the same systems that they're going to use. You know, and I know like some other podcasts talk about the systems, you know, like those guys, uh, Kirk and Bracken on Running Public talk about that training effect, you know, the tra time on feet. These things can kind of transition into that. So Joe and I were talking about, for example, the coaches have these soccer kids do this two-mile test. It's like the big test. Yeah. And we talked about that. You're playing soccer, but how fast can you run two miles? So then we talked to you, Yancey, and we're like, dude, this doesn't sound right. Like, give us a better test that translates to that. Like, can we get some better conditioning? So it's like the kids are doing soccer, 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 and they want to get faster and be able to get better. But it's like if you're dying 30 minutes into a game – how are you even going to play soccer? We're not even conditioned. And it's like they're always doing the soccer stuff all year round, but there's no time to focus on these other components that are important for the sport, like, you know, aerobic, anaerobic capacity, all these other things, you know? Yeah, there's – a lot of it comes from being some of the some of the coaches have the nausea. They're, they're super busy or they get maybe a little lazy. I think the, the key is designing like, – like taking – I like to look at, this is how I, I love training for all, I love having the opportunity to train athletes in all sports because what I do is I watch the sport. If you watch the sport with a very keen eye, you know, take, let's take soccer because that's the one you brought up. It's quick bursts of speed, but a lot of multidimensional movements in the air, twisting and turning the body, tons of core work, even tying in the shoulder, uh, we're, we're balance and coordination are, are come wildly into play. And then you're, you're obviously required to over and over and over again, depending on your position, sprint, get to someplace really fast, but also manage that sprint in a way where if, you know, it's not about go as hard, not burn the match as hard as I can. It's about managing that match burn um, over the course of, of the game. So what I will do for, for a, I had soccer players come to my, my workout on Tuesday is create, you know, it might be 30 yard sprints with some hip flipping. You know, once you finish your 30, we're going to do some hip flipping and some various uh, planes of motion movement. And then, you know, with like a six to eight second rest, and we go right into the next one. And I've got a series of maybe five to six exercises that you do the moment you finish. So what happens so often, uh, it's kind of like OCR in, in a way or a stadium race would be a better example, is you have to test your, your strength, power, strength and power endurance and then be able to run efficiently for short distances and be able to maintain clean, efficient running mechanics when everything in your body is fatigued. And really and truly, there's I – mean, unless I'm training an athlete for uh, the 1,600-meter, 3,200-meter run – I don't have a single sport out there other than that and maybe some OCR where I'm going to throw the two-mile run at you very often, man. I just don't – that's not serving much purpose. What I want to look at as I would much rather – I'd much rather pinch the life out of a 30-minute workout, pinch every second out of a 30-minute workout than just fill the time with, with whatever. And so – but really and truly when you look at a lot of the sports – a lot of them, the training can be combined at certain times throughout the year during certain muscle cycles, and it's going to make sense for almost no matter who shows up. Now, if you're throwing the two-mile at them 
it, it's not gonna, that's not gonna make sense for, you know, that, that, it's got a time and a place, just some good old fashioned uh, aerobic work, but um, really and truly with a little bit of creativity, you can be specific. Now, going back to what first started your, 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 your this piece here was, I think it's important because I've had the wonderful opportunity to work with some really good physical therapists um, and, and, and some chiropractors and, and where I've learned, been able to learn a lot about great functional movement. And we spend so much time on, I mean, we'll take, I'll be creative with 15 different exercises on improving hip mobility, posterior chain, making sure we're able to all squat really well. Something as basic as a squat. If you can't do that, we don't need to move on to anything else until we can do something like a squat. Can we can't jump do well? In high rocks, you know, if you can't squat. <laughs> I, yeah, I had I had clients that I had clients that did not have very good range of motion, and and that that you're going to suffer. Ninety-nine percent of people on the planet have no business ever tackling one hundred wall balls. It's a recipe for freaking disaster. Um, but when you um, I, I got to track a little bit there. Oh, and when, when you jump in the air, are you good at landing? I mean, learning how to land. Yes. I mean, it's so, and learning how to accelerate and deaccelerate, uh, decelerate and all these things, man, for, so now all of a sudden you're not only becoming a better athlete, your injury, you're working on injury prevention now. You know, over, over this course of, you look, at, you look at three or four seasons combined and maybe we have 15% less injuries. So really diving into the creativity of, now here's the deal. I, I've never seen an athlete that wants to go through a formal assessment. They don't want to go through formal assessments. So what we do as a creative coach or PT is we creatively put them through the assessment. I do that all the time. I'm constantly assessing people and picking them out. But it's, I, I, it wasn't like these, oh, here's the typical 10 robotic tests we put them through. You guys have to do that sometimes. I have the, the ability to be a little more creative. They don't even realize I put them through a fitness test. But because of some things that I saw, we're going to now spend 20 more minutes on the bleachers working on hip mobility, our, our, you know, our hip flexors, our, we're, we're real tight in this motion or that motion. So um, anyway, I think uh, really and truly it boils down to having a, a decent level of, of, of science knowledge and then being very, very creative so the kids our young kids and our old kids, 40, 50 year old clients that they enjoy, they enjoy coming back every day. Cause I don't care how freaking good you are as a doctor, a PT, a coach. If you, I don't care how good you are. If you don't have a little bit of creativity, you go, we're going to bore the shit out of everybody. We yeah. will. Yeah. I didn't play soccer and I've been coaching soccer players for 18 years. I never played a day in my life. <laughs> I basically, I, ba I still tell the story. I told a mom, she saw me in the gym working with a baseball player and she asked me if I trained soccer players. And I said, of course I do. You know, not knowing anything about the game of soccer. I went and studied it. I went and watched it. I went and read about it. And I learned the lingo so much that when I speak it to these soccer players, I get, well, what position did you play? <laughs> I'm like, I never played. I just yeah. understand movement. You know, and I understand what movements to put you through, but I like what you're saying is where you're, you're really taxing them and then putting them in awkward movements because that's what's happening in any game, really. I mean, even in baseball for that, I mean, right. I mean, yeah. And the game is one, the game is one in practice and the game in all sports. 
like I can we'll use football because it's a real simple explanation, but it applies for all sports. It's real easy to play your best in the first and third quarter. You're fresh. Yeah. The second yeah. and fourth quarter are when games are won and when injuries happen. Um, it, or you're able to, you know, you're either able to, to, to stay just as – when you're as strong in the second and fourth quarter as you were in the first and third, your body's just as efficient. Um, that, that's, uh, that's a game changer. But also it's when a lot of I, – I, I've never seen this exact research, but I've been around high school sports for so long and I've been on the sidelines of so many games that we see – I see most injuries happen in the second and fourth quarters. Okay? You're tired, but yeah. you're trying to put – you don't – you're not moving as well in space. You're starting to cut corners. Things are starting to happen. That's, it happens in – soccer is probably one of, the, one of the greatest examples of – your brain is saying, I got to go, 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 but I'm, my engine's not properly trained and, and things start to, uh, things start to fall apart. Um, but you can, you know, really, this is what I like to, when I, when I'm talking to the athletes as a whole with the parents around, it's a, as an athlete, 98% of our athletic career is outside of the spotlight. Nobody's watching. There's nobody cheering and clapping for us. Yeah. 2% is the spotlight. You have to absolutely fall in love with the 98%. Yeah. Sleep, the nutrition, the body maintenance, the training, the film room, all those puzzle pieces that make up what happens on, on Friday night lights when the game, the ball is kicked off um, or the ball is tipped off, whatever sport you play. And you have to freaking fall in love with the training. And that's our role, man, as coaches. We, got, we, got to, we have to be really good at helping them fall in love with that piece. of. They love that piece as much or more than when the spotlight's on them. And I think that's the one thing that we're seeing. I mean, we even see it in OCR. You have those people that race like almost three times a month and they're never giving themselves time to come down from that hyper race mode, central nervous system taxing to just prep and get ready or recover for the next. I mean, I understand if it's like a, a cluster, but if you look at the way a lot of like even the national series or the stadium races are all spaced out and they give you time to do the race come back down, re-prep, gear back up, and you can make mesocycles to prepare for that, which I think is makes sense. But we see that with high school sports, sometimes they're just they're game after game after game, practice after practice after practice, but they're never stepping back to focus on, you know, I mean, or what are you looking at with your basic conditioning, you know, looking at these things. So same thing when they come out from after, you know, an injury, we're seeing that, like, you know, you can't even land right. We're seeing movement patterns that are not proper. And sometimes they go back and they see surgeons and the surgeons are not, unfortunately not looking at these movement uh, screens as in depth as we are. And they're saying, yeah, you're clear. And that's all they hear is I'm clear. And they go back and they're jumping and landing on a leg that looks like a tree in a hurricane. You know, they got locked up ankles or they're squatting and they're shifting the one side and they want to go play on that. And then even if they do have all those components, they have the mobility and the stability and everything. Now we got to talk about the conditioning piece. So you just came off of rehab. Now you're getting back into doing stuff. But what I'm doing with them in the clinic and doing sets of like 15, we're trying to train them how to move well. Okay, you look 15, good squats. Now let's do 15. Let's add some weight to it. Now let's add some perturbation techniques. Okay, you could demonstrate a good squat pattern under these external stimuluses. Now let's try to train it. So now they would go and see someone like Joe, and now we're doing like, higher sets, higher volume, we're doing it under high heart rate. Go hit the assault bike for 10 calories, do a couple of laps, come over and now hit those squat patterns. Now it happens when you're fatigued. So these are things we're trying to look at and develop. And that's like the type of stuff I see you doing, like with the Cedar Park kids, 
you got bear crawling up hills, you know, carrying all this stuff. And then, and then they're going and they're doing drills and stuff. And it's like, let's, let's focus on the form because, you know, these kids are playing like right now it's like high nineties over here. I mean, that's probably nothing for you out in Texas, but over here, this is like what we call a heat wave. That's a cold day. Yeah. Yeah. So say they're playing, now you have all these elements and it's like, well, if they never trained and they're not used to having their heart rate through the roof, how do they experience and, and how do they handle this? Now everything starts breaking down. You're right. That's where injury happens. What happens if a bigger girl comes by and hits one of these girls and they land wrong, boom, you have an injury. The head wasn't there. They get frustrated. So there's those components. Those are things we're trying to kind of get across to the athlete and to the parents too. And I mean, I could even attest to the specificity. So when I first started training for OCR, I had no idea what I was doing. I ran my first stadium and I got my ass ripped up. I was like, holy shit, what's going on here? So then I eventually ran a couple races, got into it. Um, I did like the battle frog race, which was awesome. But still, I just, I got my ass kicked. I eventually reached out to Yancey and I was like, dude, like, I want to get better. Let me check out your programming. Yancey's programming basically trains you to get into that shock of a race. Because sometimes you're training and you're doing stuff, but you're not pushing yourself to experience that same shock. You know, he has us do like these 15% incline on the treadmill things to simulate sustained runs up a hill, which is what you're going to do. Like the big race out here is Palmerton. And a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm doing the Palmerton. And I'm like, have you ever run up a hill like that? And they're like, no, I go and I, you know, I do some lunges and stuff. And I'm like, that has some translation, but have you sustained running up those hills? Have you carried heavy shit up a hill, you know? And then, like you said, you get to the top of the hill and now you got to flip a 400 pound tire. So have you practiced lifting something heavy from the floor with good mechanics when your heart rates through the roof, it's hot, you know, you're starting to feel that stimulus. So when I actually started training his programming, I started seeing that translation into the results. I had like one of my best races at a Palmerton. I never thought I would do well in that race because the year before I got destroyed, you know? So it's the same thing I think with these kids for these sports is if you introduce them to the stimulus and you put them through some of these little mini circuits, kind of like maybe you would like a little DecaFit workout, like one of those, some of those challenges. We have 15 minutes and it's like do – or, or like a chipper, like Yancey has to do the chipper where you do like 20 reps or something and 18 and 16 and you keep moving, but your reps go down. So you're getting faster. So it could be body weight stuff, squats, lunges, sit-ups, push-ups, but your heart rate's going, you're moving, you're moving, you're moving. Now all of a sudden you're in an intense playoff game and you're going back and forth, going back and forth. The offense is really aggressive and you got to keep helping out your defense. You're running, you're going back and forth. You're cutting and you're like, wow, I've been in this phase before. I'm okay. These kids are never exposed to that. How are they going to come back after an injury and all of a sudden be put through that? It's going to be a huge shock to their system. Yeah, like like Joe said, you got to when you watch when you you can, we can learn even without doing the sport. You can learn a lot by watching it. But going out there and racing so many OCR races, you know, you there's I could a lot of people can go in the weight room, the gym, and knock out five pull ups and then do 20 hamsters and changes and follow it up with a couple more pull-ups when their heart rate's 55, they just walked into the gym. But what happens to us out on course is your body's being beat to shit and you're an hour into the race. And now let me put you in that status. Now walk into the gym and see how those five pull-ups, 20 hand position changes followed by two more pull-ups. See how you do then. It is night and freaking day. So when you, I think where we, I think where I've, I've had a lot of success and it really boils down to, I love the one percenters, but it really boils down to getting those everyday 
Jane and Joe's that go out there and race open that are finally able to complete those grip and pull shrink obstacles, for example, and all those obstacles in the festival are at the finish when they're at the end of the race and they are now finishing those after they just had the crap beat out of them for two hours out on course. And that's specifically because of, of the training. Now, you know, as far as sports specificity, you know, if I, if I always break up your running over here and then have your OCR specific training over here, we're never truly, that's never truly going to completely translate out on course because it's all tied together out on the course. So it's like soccer. If, if, if I, if I have you go do your aerobic conditioning over here and, and your, even your speed endurance over here, and I never tie in all the other crazy, awesome movements that you're doing, the bobbing and weaving and shifting and landing and twisting and turning. If I never miss those together, it's the exact same thing. It's never going to truly translate out on course to the best of the ability. So we can, we can do better in many cases at maximizing our time, no matter what the sport is. It's uh, OCR is the extreme example of you got to sometimes train like you race. Now we don't always race all the workouts. Only 20, 30% of the time do we actually go hit zone four, zone five efforts, you know, above lactate threshold, zone five anaerobic. Every now and then we will, but we still need to be training like we race as far as what the package looks like, what the body goes through out there. So. How do you feel about um, stepping back and doing like a couple months of just backing off a little bit of the high intensity stuff and focusing just on lifts for like a stability? Let's just take maybe like a six or eight week mesocycle and let's just focus on getting under the weights and doing just, you know, seeing how the squat patterns look in the lunges, focusing on just some basic core stuff. Heart rate's a little bit lower, but it's maybe like a 45 to 60 minute like lift session. I'm doing sets, you know, just to work the strength and just back off from just that high intensity stress and central nervous system to switch it up a little bit. I know I personally have done that and it's kind of refreshing. It's kind of good to step yeah. away from the high intensity stuff, especially in the winter and go in there and just focus on these foundational things and yeah. then when it comes back time to come back into high intensity, so I was like, I have a nice solid foundation to work off of. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing subject to talk about. And there is, if, if you and I are coaching athletes where we have full control over them in, in a controlled environment and we can lay out very specific plans and we have them right there, um, that's a little easier to do. But even in that environment, what I'm about to say will, will, will apply. And the unique piece of this is there's always a fine balance. I'll use, I'll use probably my favorite client of all time as an example, Alex Walker. It's one of the coolest subjects. I, I could talk, we could do a whole podcast on Alex because Alex comes from a world of this girl is not some cyborg genetically gifted athlete but she has worked herself into meticulously by just saying, yes, what, what do you want me to do coach? I'll do it. And just having this crazy epic work, epic, amazing work ethic. She's worked herself into being one of the arguably one of the, she's one of the top five, 10 female OSHA athletes on the freaking planet. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'll, let me tell I'll you. Listen, if you don't mind me saying age range just so listeners can appreciate. Give, me, give or take, I'm going to say 35, give or take a year. Yeah. Um, Sorry if that's 34, Alex, but I, I think 35. Um, but she is such a salt of the earth. 
salt of the earth, amazing human. Um, but what, the reason why I brought her up is you, we got to find, sometimes there's things I would really like to do, but I'll meet in the middle because I know, I know what's my client's headspace and I'm not going to try, I'm, I'm never, no matter the situation, I could be, you could hire me to train you for the freaking 1500 meter run in the Olympics. I am never, ever going to take a person. Some would say, well, Yancey, that's, that's a fault of yours. But I'm never going to take the approach that I'm going to freaking steer you 100%. We're going to steer the car together. We're going to take turns driving. We're going to steer the freaking car together. And I am going, because no matter who you are, you also have a lifestyle away from, um, away, away from the training. But in Alex's case, and, and even take like a Ray Coble. I got to know Ray really well. Some athletes love training way more than they love racing. Yeah. Training just consumes them in a beautiful, healthy way. It can be it become can become a little too unhealthy, a little unhealthy, but for the most part, they have this amazing peace and excitement with training. So some athletes, if I just said, Hey, we're gonna do this muscle cycle, that's it's gonna be we're gonna step away from almost everything we're doing. We're only gonna focus on this. So you kind of pepper it in. You know, you, you, you pepper it, you pepper it in. Um, but I, I totally believe in the power of what you're talking about. Um, uh, for various reasons, I was able to uh, become uh, friends with Lance Armstrong. I was, you know, arguably one of the greatest cyclists to ever live. I used to manage his, back in my FBO days, I used to manage his $15 million jet, his Gulfstream, when it was based in Austin. We became good friends, and I actually coached him for a while as he was trying to get into obstacle course racing. And, um but Lance would Lance taught me, you know, he, he talked to me about the importance of completely stepping away from, from cycling and to the point where he put himself in a, in a, in a, in a, in a head space and physical space that was just like, I got to get away from it. Now I still maintain my basic level of fitness, but I was, I was 20, 30 percentage points away from being in tour de France shape, for example. Um, I think there's great value uh, in that now where OCR throws a right now we're in a good place actually to be doing that but where OCR up until recently OCR always threw and Mike can definitely speak for this I mean we're not a sport where you can just say let me handpick two or three races and I'm going to train for those and I can make a living doing that that's not where our sport is if you're doing it out of enjoyment or you're doing it to really try to make a brand for it build a brand and make a name for yourself you're going to be racing seven, eight, nine months a year. So, you know, this is the first time that I've been coaching at OCR where we really have a, an extended uh, off season. And, but you still have to be careful. Um, I, I'm still, I have shifted my, my training focus somewhat. You know, the workouts have definitely changed a little bit. And I'm work, taking the liberty to work in a little more uniqueness because I know other than we, we do have, I do have a lot of athletes who have West Virginia coming up. But for the most part, we were able to – I was able to take a little – without completely pulling the rug out from under them, take a little more creativity to throw some unique unique stuff in. So there's great value in, in what, you, what you brought up, though. Yeah, I mean, it's great because the Yancey camp will offer some challenges sometimes to keep people a little motivated, something to work towards, like the – the 800-meter time trial, man, I haven't run a competitive 800 meters since high school, or the 400-meter burpee challenge. I mean, if you're doing that, you're basically, like, prepping for a race. That's like a race feel. 
you know, you're not digging down in that. You're not going to get a good time. So it gives you that feeling of like a race, you know, and you're challenging yourself, gives you a goal to kind of work at. But I mean, the only reason I kind of, you know, asked about Alex's age is because I get all the time the I'm old or I'm old. Or, you know, I peaked in high school, which is like, I think the D-bag answer. If you peaked in high school, it's sick. You know, I mean, there's a lot of room to improve after that. I find a lot of athletes sometimes didn't do anything in high school, and all of a sudden, like, they come into, like, out of college even after, and all of a sudden they're amazing. How many OCR athletes have stepped into the field and maybe they didn't do running or stuff before, and they're phenomenal now? I mean, there's a lot of cases with that, you know? Yeah, I'll, you know, really and truly, when, when you look at the sport, uh, I talk about this on my mental conditioning video. For, before every Yance to Camp workout, I put a mental conditioning video on the on the on the workout. It, it's it's me walking around the backyard talking about life. And what right. I talk about today is there's so many. To your point, there's so many people that talk about you know the glory days back in high school. And I, I'm a firm believer that your glory days can be right now. You know, at, at 48 years old, Amen. Um, I, I am in many cases in the best shape of my life. I'm not quite as fast in straight line speed. I'm not going to have quite as much cat-like agility that I had in high school and college. But for the most part, I'm stronger at 48 uh, than I was at 38. Um, my, you know, I'm a more well-rounded athlete at 48 than probably I've ever been in my life. Um, so I think so often, you know, when we really talk about, shift the subject a little bit and just talk about general fitness, People, people slowly start letting days add up on top of each other. Things start to slip, and now I'm 20, 30, 40 pounds overweight, and now I'm just really leaning in on the glory days and looking back on those, and it's about, you know, I run, I have a 22-day challenge right now where I'm sending a YouTube video out to my clients every day, and it, it's got the workouts, got me pumping them up, and we're com communicating on text messages every single day, and it's about taking accountability of, of your actions and saying, you know what, I'm going to work fitness back into my lifestyle. I'm going to be a little, I, I say it like this, I'm going to be a little selfish with my time. So I step away from the freaking talking about the glory days. My glory days are now because I've decided to take action and be a little selfish. And on the, what happens is because I take those 15 to 30 minutes a day, if not maybe a little more on certain days, and take care of my beautiful machine, or you're, you're taking care of your beautiful machine, now every aspect of your life is starting to improve. And now, now all of a sudden, you're serving people um, better because you can use your body to serve. Your family's benefiting. Everybody in your circle and your network is benefiting because you're taking care of the beautiful machine. You're waking up and saying yes in your 60s and 70s to vacations with your kids and eventually your grandkids. Yep. And it's... Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big wet red flag waver on the freaking glory days talk too. It's like, man, I'm out of shape and I'm overweight and I, I think, I think I'm past that. Today, there are so today. many people. Some of the greatest OCR athletes, the greatest performances to this date, most of them have happened with people in the ages of 36 to 40, yeah. 41. Yeah. I think the most competitive age group is what in the 30 to 40s now. Like you're not seeing many college kids. Who's the youngest one? Like VJ Jones. I mean. Yeah, well, Ryan Woods, um, Hobie Call, uh, Cody Moat, Robert Killian, all oh. did their best work from the age of 37 to 40. Yeah. Wow. That's when they did their best work. So, um, you know, that, that's a and – and, and you look at when, – when we're looking at the, endurance, the true endurance sports, um, 
the mind is in the best headspace ever. And um, we are talking about a sport now, unless you're looking at DecaFit, High Rocks, sta stadium race is completely different. I, I don't think stadium is set up in a way where you're going to see 40-year-olds come in and dominate. That's a, it's a little more of, you know, it's a 25-minute effort. But when we're talking about pure endurance, um, you know, the, the aerobic engine can be built it takes many, many, many years to build that aerobic engine and see its true potential. We can sharpen speed in a freaking three-week cycle. We can sharpen speed. You don't sharpen your aerobic engine in a three-week cycle. You're constantly, yeah. in, in many ways, I, I'm, I'm, my aerobic engine is probably stronger than it's ever been because I've stayed with it over time for many, many years. So if you're, as long as you're in the right race distance, um, OCR fits very well into the aging aging athlete but uh my if even if because i was more of a middle and shorter distance athlete like the 800 is probably my best race overall in my prime you know i love the stadium i love like the deck fit contest and even high rocks even though high rocks is pretty that's that's an hour-long effort even for the yeah. best of the best but i just love that uh of all things that's ever been presented in ocr the stadium race is by far my favorite yeah and that's really where I fell into because when I played around with different race distances, I had to figure out what was going to work for my lifestyle. I mean, with my work schedule, you know, an ability to go and train, you know, some individuals have like really good access to getting to certain mountains or getting to the gym or getting to that. And you got to find like how everything fits for you. And I think uh, like the podcast uh, Cole DeRosa was on. Uh, Cole DeRosa, he's, um, he's an yeah. active military member. Yeah. He's, uh, I think. I always it, find myself about a minute or two behind Cole when I raise Cole. <laughs> yeah. He's in so, my age group. Yeah. So Joe is so hashtag badass. Yeah, he's awesome. And he talks about how he just fits his time and no excuses. I could do 20 minutes workout right here. I mean, you can see some of the workouts I do for the stadium prep. I mean, they're 20 minutes, like hard efforts. Like the thing I did earlier today literally was like a 20, 23, 26, 26 minute thing because I was resting between, but it was actually like, it was uh, three sessions of six minutes of work effort, you know? And all throughout the time, I found out, I was like, you know, looking at what worked, I found that that short course stuff worked really well, and I really liked it, you know, as opposed to the long beasts where you're out there, to be out there for like two hours. So I think people kind of find their niche of training, but either way, you could find a way of doing stuff. And I think sometimes it helps too when you have some guidance into what to do, which is why, like, for example, like Yancey's coaching program, you know, when you're a professional and you're working and you got a family, you got all these responsibilities, sometimes it's hard to coach yourself. I think you said that, Yancey. It's hard to figure out how to do it. When you have someone telling you what to do and you follow that program, you know what you're doing. You're going home. You're getting ready. You go and do it. You're held accountable, especially if you're in a group with other people doing it. So, you yeah. know, you kind of see this translate even into, you know, these high school, college sports when you know your teammates are doing stuff or if they're doing a workout – and one kid texts, hey, man, did you do the workout? I was like, no, I went home and just chilled on the Xbox. You're going to feel pretty shitty when your boys are working out and they're getting better than you. So I tell you right now, when I was training with my guys at the gym, when they started getting faster and getting better, you know, and I'm showing up a couple places behind them in the stadium race, I felt like an idiot. And you want to be up with them. They want to push you to get better. Especially if you start in a wave and your buddy comes up from behind you yeah. and he's like, woo, Mike, what happened, man, you know? So yeah. it's good to have that too. And that's what's cool with the team sports because the butt, you guys can kind of hold each other accountable. So I think they kind of see where all that new age of fitness fits in where it's like, dude, we're coming home from school. You know, we got this hour of practice. Let's go and let's do a quick 20-minute workout of doing this. And you design these workouts for them. 
you know, it's getting into a different mindset. It's, it's away from soccer, away from football, away from baseball. It's something a little bit different, you know, and it's kind of this new exciting type of environment of doing something different, you know? So I think it's kind of like a refresher, you know, like Nancy said. Well, I, I would say that team sports is, I've always argued that it's the greatest internship our youth will ever go through in their life. There is no other inter being led by imperfect people, uh, working hard to serve the team versus yourself and, and being in that environment is, is, is undeniably the greatest. I, I, I managed thousands of people in the corporate world and there's no perfect research that shows this, but I'm a firm believer that all the ones that play, everybody that played team sports as a whole, I would choose them over the individual that didn't. If I had, if I had two applicants in front of me and they were clones, except the one played the team sport and one didn't, I'm telling you who I'm picking for my team. Um, and, and that boils down what it all, and then it translates into, um, you know, later in life, we kind of step away from having the accountability partner. The, t the team was our accountability partner and the coaching staff is our accountability partner. My number one job as a coach is to be a gracious, loving, effective, direct accountability partner that, that will, will serve you to Can the you best. Say that again? A gracious, loving, effective, and I missed one more, account accountability partner. That's my number one job as a coach. Love um, it. No matter what level – and, and doing it in a way where you're going to enjoy it. You're going to look back on it and say that you enjoy that process. So, you know, with my, with my challenge, like I, 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 right now we're in day 18 of my 22 day challenge and I've got several hundred people around the, uh, the globe participating. I get, I get 75 to hundred text messages every day because people know they got to tell me they did their workout. And I reply um, through my, through my, 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 my text messaging program that I have, um, great freaking job way to get it in. You know, I, I throw out my, and, and every, it's never copy and paste. I'm going to take the 10 seconds to serve you, the 30 seconds to serve you, let you know that I'm, I'm here. And I was, I was right there doing it, but you know, when, 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 a, when one of those clients, one of my clients messages me at 9 PM and say, coach, I did not want to freaking do this today, but I knew like you, you were, you were kind of sitting on my shoulder. You weren't there physical, but you were sitting on my shoulder. I knew I had to get it in because of you. I, I wanted to send you that message and say, I got it in. And having that, you know, you never want to come in like a bull in a china closet and rip the, the, you know, the rug out from under. You want to slowly alter that lifestyle and to where it becomes habitual and they get downright selfish in a good way at saying, I'd be damned if I'm not, if I'm not going to make the time to, to, to take care of my beautiful machine, because I'm going to be able to serve better because of that. And that's wildly important. And I, and I think, that, you know, high school, middle school, and high school sports kind of sets them off on kids get to realize what it's, uh, it, it feels good when you're fit and when you can compete and contribute to that team physically and it hurts and it's rewarding one day and it sucks the next and it's 5 a.m. workouts and it's grinding this and, and meshing it in with your academics. And I'm, uh, we have no freaking anybody that acts like they're that we're not going to suffer because of the pandemic that we're in and that uh, the traditional 
so many athletes are being pulled away from their sports for a certain period of time, it's going to hit hard. There's no way we can say what the true hit will be, but I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I'm hoping that, that sooner than later we, we get our kids back into uh, the team sports. Uh, my kids, I know my kids will, 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 will benefit, but um, yeah, man, this is one of those, this is like, we can could, we could do five different podcasts on a lot of different subjects. I'm so passionate about, about talking about all this stuff because fitness is, I, I, I truly, at least 30 seconds every day, I try to wrap my mind around where am I missing it? What can I do different today? Well, I, I get pissed at myself that I have not come up with a better plan to make the light bulb come on with more people to say, wait a second, I'm tired of screwing around and treating my body like shit. I, I'm going to take action today. I, I literally blame it on myself. Every, every, every one of us coaches should. I've not done a good enough job being creative enough to get more people realizing that I'm going down a bad path right now and I want to re-navigate. Yep. So I'm crazy passionate about it. I want, I want to come back to this. Um, Mike, and Mike was touching on it earlier about the performance tests that we're doing uh, with mainly yep. these ACL kids coming back, right? So what we have now is we have the fundamental capacity screen. We have this uh, single leg hop test, right? And then we, Mike and I talked about adding in that performance piece, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the tests that we, we talked about, he was uh, very adamant about because he said that, that you have done this with your athletes. Uh, and I want to know more about it and how it came about. But he said it's 30, 40-yard sprints in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So where did, where did this test come about? Where do you use it? How do you use it? Well, it's a very, I, I have different combinations of doing it. By, by design, I, I, I won't always throw the same thing at them. I'll just twist it up a little bit. But long story short, um, if we look at the basics, if we look at football, soccer, lacrosse, basketball, field hockey, there's a few outliers, baseball being one, softball being one, you could even wrestling is you could even put wrestling in with this because it's the, the aerobic conditioning wrestling. is so important. Wrestling. But so there's a few outliers, but most sports, you know, to me, I'm going to lean on that way more than I would lean on. Hey, what's your two mile time? If, if an athlete can, um, you know, if you, if you do it and you, you can, you can work, you can progress it down. You know, you could do a 40 on the 32nd uh, or on the 22nd, even, uh, depending on if you're working speed endurance or tempo endurance, but what that is, and I, I'll just set a timer out on the 50 yard line or on the say the 20 yard line. We're running from the goal line to the 40 and the buzzer goes off every 20 or 30 seconds, depending on what type of training we're doing that day. Um, or, you know, if I, if I'm going to throw in an exercise, I'll usually make it 30, but you'll learn a lot about all your positions. Um, you know, I expect, we have a kick-ass football team every freaking year. All of our linemen that come to my workout, they got to be able to survive that damn workout. I don't care if you're 260 pounds high school lineman. That that test? Oh yeah. Okay. They got to be able. They got to be able to take their big 260 pound ass and do well in that. I don't want you slow jogging, suffering, barely getting there before the timer goes off. You, you know, it's a uh, that and that that test. Well, you take a soccer team. 
I'm that's going to tell you a lot, a lot. If they're if they're ready, are they are they going to be dragging ass out on the field? If you can come back and hit effective forty yard dashes over and over and over again, um, I've here lately I've be, I've even been using thirty more than forty, um, but um, that's 30, a, that's 30 yards, 30 yards, 30 yards instead of, instead of uh, 40 yards. I really love 30 every 20 seconds. Okay. I really okay. love that one. Um, like today, today we did uh, 30 thirties with, you know, I would throw like uh, two plyometric clap pushups or two squat thrusts or, or, or two burpee broad jumps, uh, just some really tough. So they would, they were averaging about, eight to nine seconds of rest when you combine the run with those two or three explosive reps or i do a couple hip flips like hip flip right hip flip left and right back on the start line um yeah so i love those kind of tests and when you think about it for the for the way the way this what's happening out on the field it's way more it tells you so much more than any other run test that you would do for most sports so it's not even just direct sprinting. You're, you're, you might even add in a little bit of some power there. Like you said, a burpee, maybe a split jump, maybe, maybe just a squat jump, maybe yeah. opening up the hips, turning the hips, and then they're only getting a couple more seconds before they got to go boom, and they got to hit that 40 yards again or that 30 yards again. Yeah. So it's, not just straight, it's not just straight running. You're adding in other pieces to that too. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to, it's a hard one to gamify but but you will you'll quickly get a, a a glance it's it's really and truly it's all of a sudden you just you not all of a sudden but you slowly see the team as a whole if you keep duplicating a certain workout you're they're getting more and more rest they're just they're, they're getting there faster they're not dragging ass on the back end the back end of the final 15 reps they all look good for the first five uh, but then they just start slowly dragging ass, and all of a sudden, the last fifteen look as sharp as the first fifteen, um, and that's uh, that is an absolute game changer. That translates to the field. And now, you know, when I say, "Listen, you know, we are we cheated the competition today. They're at home eating freaking bonbons, and we we separated today, ladies and gentlemen. Game changer, you know, because we've been doing these over and over and over, and as a whole." you are more efficient. So now we're winning the second and fourth quarter. We're, we don't ever lose a game late. Like at Cedar Park, if we're in the game late, we're going to win that freaking game. Yep. I can't remember the last time we lost. If it's tied, or even, and in many cases we're even down, if it's close late in the game, we are going to be the most prepared. All of a sudden, our good athletes, good athletes look great late in games. A lot of great athletes hey, we've been look here Yep. A lot of great athletes look shitty late in the game. Yeah, it shifts. Um, we're we're the king of. We live in an area. We don't have a lot of kids going and play D one, but we win a lot of district championships and, and championships because we have a lot of good athletes that look great late in games. Simple as that. So obviously, there's a time where they're going to work. Like say they're going to run routes. They're going to work just the routes. Get it crisp. Get it down. Get the foot's right timing. Well, if you ever do something where you do like a compromise run thing with them, almost kind of like you would do with OCR. So maybe they got to do a couple movements and then go from a certain line, go and run a route, really compromise and see if they could stay focused. And, and what he was doing is like basically if you're in like a game and you're really exhausted. So you have them do something like with some of the toys, maybe some of the power system, slam ball, ram burpees, something like that, then run into a route and do it. Or 
running to, you know, the, the blocking pads or something like that, doing something where they're already compromised and do some drills that way. Yeah, most of my workouts, I don't want to say unfortunately, I would say fortunately, you know, there's normally 25 to 100 kids there. So you have to be very creative. You, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of time to really dial into to individualized stuff, but you know, I, I, I really try to focus in on the stuff you're talking about as much as I can, even when it's large groups. So l luckily I'll, I'll normally I'll be, I'll have the whole hundred yard field to myself or the whole 150 yard field to myself. And it does allow us to, to do a lot of that in group. You just miss the ability to really dial in like you do in the clinics. You're spending 30 minutes with one kid. You can really dial in your, your focus. So there's a little difference there, but with what I'm doing the entire time is, you know, I'm really big on talking to them about why we're doing something. Like I want, I, I, I like to use it, say it this way. I want every one of you, when you graduate, if you've come to enough of my workouts, I would want you to be able to come be an assistant for me. You know, you've heard the reasoning why we're doing this, why we're doing this, you know, why it's so important that we're improving this or that um, and, and, and peppering in just enough anatomy and physiology and science, just enough of that to where they, they get excited about it. You know, 20% of your people aren't going to give two shits, but you'll, there'll be a, you'll be surprised. You guys know a lot of kids like hearing when you're taking them through movement patterns, you're, you're talking to them about the muscle, the joint, the plane of motion, all that mm -hmm. stuff and why and how that will translate on a course. And that's, um, <coughs> I personally think that <coughs> that's important. Yeah, because we thought it would be a cool concept to do that with some of the kids. I mean, Joe has the time to be able to do that in the clinic when they get to the conditioning part. So you'll do soccer drills, but doing something like he has the ability to use that type of stuff. He has an assault bike. He has slam balls. He has boxes for jumps and stuff. So to kind of tax on them, have them come in and do some of the agility drills, focus on some of the kicks and sports-specific stuff. So they're still doing the soccer drills, but they're doing it in a compromised state, and they're also getting conditioned. So they're starting to tax their system staying focused, you know, and trying to translate that type of system into sports specific stuff. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, believe it or not, a lot of it went into our, our focus on, on DecaFit when I talked about really just beating it up for, for about a month before I was happy with it as far as keeping it very rudimentary. We're talking about things that a couple thousand years ago, it wasn't fitness, it was about survival, building shelters, <laughs> gathering food, uh, just survival and uh but then when it's all combined about you know climbing up over a box and stepping down the other side jumping on something you know all these rudimentary movements even down to the rowing and the cycling which are rudimentary forms of transportation uh, picking up, literally being able to pick something up and doing it over and over and over again push something pull something uh squat down in that reverse lunge um, so much rudimentary movement in, in what's been very unique is we're talking to tons of, of people. One of our, one of our onboardings the other day, they had, a, they had a physical therapist who, who, who the light bulb moment came on for him as far as, you know, I, I love, uh, you know, seeing where a client is when they, when they first test this and seeing how their well-rounded fitness improves, how their, their score starts to improve with with Decafit and not a bunch of wild crazy movements that take years to master just very rudimentary movement standards so anyway 
All right, question time here. All right, as if yep. we haven't answered it enough, right? Uh, we like to do this with all the guests. Um, all right, what keeps you awake at night? What are some things that are keeping you awake at night right now? One of the things I just mentioned, I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I, I, I'm constantly pounding, not in a bad way, in a very healthy way. I am constantly racking my brain with, with new ways to get people excited, coming up with new ways to get people excited about fitness. I'm crazy excited about the, the new uh, – uh, Monday I launch um, Yancey's Daily Dose of Awesome. Daily uh, Dose of Awesome. All right, I'm writing Yancey's this down. Daily Dose of Awesome. You guys are the Daily. first to hear – the first to hear the new name, Yancey Daily Dose Awesome. But it, it's simply that was born from me racking my brain trying to, as we talked about earlier, and you guys get it, how to make the light bulb come on for the person. That right now they're wallowing around and they're, they're 80 pounds of overweight and unhealthy, just, just journey down an ugly path right now. It's, lead, it's on a path to, to un, unhealthy behavior, really and truly. So that, that drives me, man. I am radically passionate about that. Um, and also, um, you know, my motto is live, love, laugh, and serve big with big, big focus on the serve. And I, 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 don't, ju I don't just say that as, a, uh, as just a, ah, let's just find something cool to throw out there. Yep. I, 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 I firmly, I'm also passionate about helping un others understand the value of not letting your feet hit the floor in the morning until you are fully prepared, like asking yourself, like, okay, hit the pause button, Yancey. Think about it. Am I prepared to live, love, laugh, and serve big today? That, that's kind of summary. Yep. And if I'm not, I got to get my headspace right before I let my feet hit the floor and roll out of bed. So I'm passionate about really trying to authentically live that lifestyle myself. But other people realize that um, Yancey is who he is because he tries to follow that path every day. Um, you, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about, uh, building the largest network I could possibly, uh, you know, what I do, people ask me what I do for a living. I network, I mesh things together. I work with 15 different companies in the same day and I'm, I'm passionate about finding a way to mesh every single one of them together. You're a facilitator. That. Yeah, man. I love facilitating, uh, life and, and meshing things together. I mean, I'm on the phone back and forth with Joe DeSena every day. We're like brainstorming ways and doing this and doing that and uh, coming up with this. And, and then I, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm, I want to put you in contact with this, 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 and this person. And we can do this, this, and this. And I just love, I love working with other passionate people that, that are in the middle of enjoying living, loving, laughing, and serving big. And, and, and how many people can we pull into our circle to, to get to, um, you know, life travel, life goes by stupid freaking fast. Yep. Days fly by. Yep. But when you live life, and I, I, I'm only failing forward. I don't have shit figured out totally. But when you I live like my kids that's every day, that's, that's the motto I, I preach to them. Fail forward, baby. Fail forward. Yeah, you get, you get to the point where you're not, you don't want the day to end. You want, I want one, give me one more second. How can I pinch life out of one more yeah, second? One more hour. I want one more hour today. Day. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Next question. Yep. Take us inside some of your success habits. What do you do? What makes you successful? Um, I, I've already mentioned a couple of them. You, you, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna lay it on you heavy here. 
You have to you have to develop a pause button. If you don't have a pause button, and, and a pause button is nothing more than every situation that you're presented with in life every single day. You need to have the ability. Everybody listening needs to have the ability to say, sometimes we need to pause and think about how we're getting ready to respond, how we're getting ready to perform in this meeting, how we're going to act in this meeting, how we're going to treat the person that's coming at me aggressively or non-aggressively or all the situations that make up life every day. Most in most situations, unless somebody's breaking in my house, trying to harm my family, basically every other situation in life, I have the ability to hit the pause button and say, how do I need to, to handle? How do I need to move forward right now? I'm a firm believer that if you have a pause button, you will be a better version of yourself when you put your head on the pillow at night and, and, and critique how it went. So with that, you need to get in the habit of critiquing yourself at night and saying, did I live, love, laugh, and serve big today? When I say big focus on the serve, it's you got to get in the habit of saying, uh, I'm mean, come on this podcast, I want to try to serve. It wasn't like, hey, what can I get out of this? I genuinely want to serve somebody with this podcast, with every breath that comes out of, word that comes out of my mouth. So are you genuinely serving in an authentic way daily? Um, you need to be able to, um, and I always like to give credit where credit is due. This is a Brian Kane. Brian Kane's a phenomenal mental conditioning coach for world-class athletes. I've been to his seminars and he talks about um, flushing to green. Um, we, we spend hundred percent of our life in the red, yellow, or green zone, red, green zones when everything's great, man, we're loving life. Well, things piss us off, whatever. Somebody takes credit for something at work. Somebody cuts us off. Yeah. You throw a, you throw a strike, the ump calls it a ball. Now we're in the yellow zone. Well, when the shit really starts to hit the family, go to the red zone. Yeah. Champions in life, in business, raising families, in the workforce, in the workforce, wherever, as you navigate your day, champions in life are really good at flushing back to green when the shit goes to yellow or red. If you spend a lot of your life in yellow and red zone, you're you're freaking walking backwards, man. Um, three platforms. We have um, these are all things that I pepper in when I'm doing like a graduation speech or something. You're gonna get like a little. You're gonna get my five minute graduation speech. So yeah, let's go. Not not debatable. We, we, we live 100% of our life on one of three platforms. We've got platform A, B, and C. Yeah. A is you're a freaking rock star, dude. People want, people want, the people gravitate towards you. They love being around you. Your freaking energy is just awesome. You, people want you on their team. That's A. I can spend an hour. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. We got C over here. You're just a flat out pain in the ass. You're, you're a pain in the ass in everything you do. You're just a freaking jack wagon man all the time for the most part and b is kind of mediocrity um you might spend a little time on here you might ever you may have a good day every now and then but b's is kind of mediocrity all three of those zones those platforms we could spend an hour talking about it, but you guys get the point um so when i talk about living a life of great purpose you have to understand the definition of these three platforms and say i'm going you got to make the conscious decision in the morning to say i'm going to spend my day on platform a and I'm going to hang around other people that like to spend their life on A. So I'm going to fall off sometimes, but I've got this strong freaking group that are going to reach out and pick my ass back up and put me on this strong foundation. It's got a lot of rebar in it. Um, if people on C normally hang out with other people that are on C and you fall off and they dive in the mud with you. Um, so you want to build a strong network of people that you like. You want some of the people in your network to see as the, that's an accountability partner and a mentor to me. Yep. And, and, and they look at you as an accountability partner and mentor. Now all of a sudden, so, so I've painted this picture. 
when you follow the good side over here and all these five or six examples that I've given you, it gets really freaking hard to be a jack wagon. You got him really, you almost have to go out by yourself right. if you want to be a jack wagon because there's a lot yeah, of really people that are, have high standards for themselves and you, and that doesn't mean you can't have fun, right. but you're, you're just living, dude, you're living big when you focus on the couple of these key things. Sorry, I got some crazy sh shadows coming in, the, the shades there. So, I mean, that's just a couple quick pointers to, um, to help the listeners out there. And, and a lot of that's for parents. If you have kids, yeah. take those four or five things that I just said and use those in the little presentation you might give with your kid when you're driving down the road to go get a freaking ice cream cone tonight. Yeah. Throw a couple of those out there to them. Or, or hell, have, have them listen to the podcast. But yeah. Yeah, have listen to the podcast. That's what they need to do. That's yeah. right. All right, I got anyway. one more for you. One yeah. more, all right? The two questions I've already asked basically seem like they're going to answer this one, but what is your, what's your biggest obsession right now? What are you obsessing about? Um, oh, man. Leaving a legacy. I, I, I've gotten to the age where I, I, you know, there's, you go to the, there's a lot of business coaching out there and almost all the business coaching this, they kind of summarize it. There's about 10 things that are important in life. And you know, money's number 10 for me. It's, it's important, but it's number 10 for me. Number one for me to answer a question is, you know, how are you going to be remembered? And, and that's very important. It's a little more important to me than it was. I, I think it was always important. I've always been a, been a passionate guy. I want, I want to serve people, but I, I want, I want people to genuinely feel when they think about me when I'm gone that, you know, coach Yancey really genuinely and authentically cared about serving me. And I don't say that lightly, man. That, I mean, that's, that's hard. You gotta, you gotta be really consistent for a long, long time. And I know this is going to sound kind of cliche and hell, it might even sound a little, little, little selfish, but you know, I care about, you know, I want, when I, I want a lot of people at my funeral. I want a lot of people to say, I, I want to, that, you know, there are, are there are, when I die, they, they maybe don't come to the funeral, but you, you, you spend a few minutes to think about, like, I remember how that served me an and I'm, I'm a little better, version of, I'm a little better version of myself and I serve a little harder because of the way coach Yancey did for me. So yeah, man, I guess I'm just kind of having fun doing a little, trying to do a little legacy building. You know what? I'm, I'm 47. I'm a year behind you. I'm catching up. I'm coming around the corner. Um, <laughs> and I think the same thing a lot now, you know, at this age, I've been doing this 21 years and that's the important piece because I still have kids coming back to me now that I coached seven, eight, nine years ago in high school and they still have stories. That's the stuff. You're right. I don't, I don't want, I don't want that funeral to come anytime soon. Right. But when it, when it does, I want people sitting around and I want them to talk about what he did, how he made an impact, how he made me smile, how he it's called the, energy. It's called, you got, it's called dying on E man. You got to die on E. They, baby. This is not me. This is from a great motivational speaker and I'm brain farting on the name. So I feel bad, but they, you know, where do most, great ideas, um, great pa greatest passions, and, and 
all the thoughts and the ideas, for lack of better terms, where do they end up? The guy, he asked the question in this YouTube video that I love. I've watched it a thousand times. That's why I'm pissed and I'm, I'm brain farting on the name. But he said, where do all the great ideas, where do they end up? They end up in the grave because people fail to act on their passion and their desires and their ideas and the, the, the plans that they had. They just sit around and, 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 and talk about them in their head and they think about them. And, and I'm a, it's like when I told, I told you the story about Joe, you go around the corner 40, 60 miles an hour with a 40 mile zone with no guardrails. Sometimes that's exactly what you need to freaking do. Sometimes Amen, brother. Amen. and say, yes, man, you gotta, you gotta be in the habit of saying yes, be a rookie every single freaking day, at least once being a veteran. It's easy to go in and loosen up somebody's hip flexor. You guys do that shit, no problem. Yeah. You know, I, it's, I, it's things that are easy for me. But what am I doing to be a rookie today? To get myself really stupid, uncomfortable, and nervous, and get those butterflies going. Mm -hmm. I don't like going to bed unless I've done something that makes me a little, a little uncomfortable. A couple times today. Anyway, Mikey, take us out here. What you got? Yeah, man. I mean, I uh, I agree on all fronts. I think. You know, since this whole OCR thing came about and even meeting Yancey, I mean, Yancey, I can definitely tell you, I told you a million times how much you've been an influence, not even just like the stuff that you say, but also as a coach. So I'll definitely be at your funeral whenever that happens. Hopefully not soon, man, because we got a lot more shit to do. But, you know, you, you come across, and that's what's kind of cool about the social media and the OCR thing is I feel like through this whole community, you meet a lot of really cool people. And the sad thing is, is that you don't get to see them as much often. So I used to get real excited to come to these races and see people like Yancey, see some of the other athletes. Um, you know, it's obviously tough right now because you can't do that. But, you know, with running the stadium series, you get to do that because you have the races, you know the guys you compete with, you go and you see them. And you start to notice, you know, there's a personality, uh, you know, uh, there's just a, a mesh of that, of a people that have the same mindset, they focus on the same things and you realize you start to get a lot of people that come together there, especially in something when you are in a level like this where you don't have, no one's forcing me to do this. I am choosing to do this because of what it's giving me back out of life, the, the lessons about myself and what I could teach from other people. I mean, you're right. Life is really short. And for me, you know, I'm, I had to go through a lot of crazy medical shit. So I am very thankful to be as healthy as I can. I don't, I personally don't exploit that because that's something personal to me. And I don't like putting that all over the place. I use that as a lesson that I tell people who are willing to sit down and talk about it. But I use it as what I do is an action of, of really enjoying each day because not everybody has that opportunity, you know. Um, you know, there's some people that choose to do that so they can get on like a TV show or something like that. I mean, that's their choice. For me, I like to try to be the best I can each day. I mean, that's why I really love the 98, 2% thing that Yancey said, you know, it's almost about trying to just make the most and, and enjoying each day for what it is. You know, a lot of people with the, oh, it's Monday or, you know, oh, it's hump day. And it's like, stop wishing the week away. Let's enjoy each day for what it is. Yeah, Mondays kind of suck, but you're given another Monday to do stuff, to accomplish things, you know? And yeah. that's really what this whole experience has taught me because a lot of people do look at me like I'm crazy, like with all the stuff I do. And it's like, but I asked them, what are you doing? I mean, you know, if you evaluate, you know, I mean, how many reality TV shows can we watch? How many times can we sit and eat and say, oh, I feel guilty. I got to 
punish myself now with this. Like, where do we start looking at trying to like create a better positive attitude? You know, and I think that that is a big theme. You know, in our society, especially in America, is trying to look at doing things because it's not so much what other people think about you. It's not so much about an image, but it's about you're getting the most out of, out of life. And you'll really notice that a lot with the OCR community. A lot of people have been through some serious shit, and it's almost like a second chance type sport. I know that's been talked about a lot, and it's almost about making the best out of each day. And it doesn't always have to be like goal crushing every day, but sometimes you just woke up and you felt real good, or you, or you did something, or maybe your actions made somebody else feel a little bit better, things like that. And I think that if you get a little more of that. I mean, I even said this, you know, among times, I think if everybody did their jobs a little bit better, we would have a lot less problems. I think we're always trying to cut corners and trying to skimp. And what are you really getting out of that? When it comes time to you reflecting back on your life, is that what you want to think about? All the times you cut corners and cheated it? I mean, I don't really feel like there's a fulfillment out of that, you know? I really like to look back and say, you know what? I did the best I could with that. You know, it's the same thing with racing. I mean, Yancey and I have talked about that too. Like, I choose to compete at the elite level, not because it's like a, I have to get on the podium, but it's because when you dedicate your time, you're going with the best of the best, and it's really cool to see where you stacked up. So you could come away and say, yeah, you know, I ran with the best, and I had this awesome race. I had this awesome experience. I All those medals, they don't really mean much. It's the actual experiences. I mean, there's certain races I can pick out and say, that was an awesome time. You know, that was a tough race. It was great. You know, I felt good. Or training really prevailed there. Even if you didn't win, maybe you got fifth, maybe you got third. But it was an awesome experience. Or maybe you had a blast with the guys you were racing with, you know? Yeah. And those are the cool things, and that's what people really remember. So that's why well, I was really excited, you know? Yeah, I, I have great appreciation for, for what you said there. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll end on this. I The world's pretty crazy right now. Yeah. And I – I encourage everybody kind of, kind of ties into the, the, you know, and I'm, I know you're the same way, Mike, is that probably 75% of my, some of my best friends now are because of people I've met in the, the OCR community. Um, yeah. And I, I encourage everybody because there's a lot of, there's a lot of crazy shit going on right now. And a lot of people in the world that are not living their life, coming from a gracious, loving place each day. And I encourage everybody to, I challenge every single person that gets a chance to listen or watch this podcast to, you know, be a better version of yourself in the way you treat people. I mean, people that you even completely disagree with. I always use the analogy, unless you're breaking down my door to harm my family, I'll sit down and have a logical conversation with you. And I will do my best to try to understand you yeah. And, and maybe learn more about, maybe even shift my opinion in some form or fashion. Yeah. Really dive in and love and serve people with great passion. And that means every single person, those people that you see for five seconds in the day, or you spend five hours with. Um, I, I just think that's, that's extremely important. I know, I know we're probably going to wrap up soon, but I, I want to get, I just thought about a couple of shout outs I want to give. Uh, one, that, one that didn't come up was our uh, the Spartan Ram that we have recently gotten Michael, uh, Mike right. involved in. Mike is our official body maintenance uh, guy for, for Spartan Ram, and we are getting ready to launch a, a new Spartan Ram certification program that uh, Mike will, will, will be in. And, and seriously, Mike, I just wrapped up the last videos a couple days ago. My body is still very sore from it, by the way. But, uh, by the way, the certification is going to launch 
very, very soon. So shout out to our family, Spartan Ram family in Ireland. Um, just the entire Spartan family, man. Um, my, my team at, at Human that I've been with for, for seven years, the maker of Beat Elite and Super Beats and all the great products, Power Systems, um, you know, um, VJ Shoes, uh, the Core Hammer, the Axle Bar. There's so many great companies that I get to work with. And, um, you know, like you guys, you don't like to partner with, with somebody unless you, you really believe in, in what they do. And I'm very, very blessed to work with a lot of executives that work for the, some of the companies that I named and, and just the, uh, have, a, have a chance to, to, to utilize the, the great products that, that they provide. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I am stupid blessed. I am freaking stupid, stupid Yancy. blessed and always. Amen, man. Amen. Hey, listen, where, where, can, uh, where can the listeners find you? social media wise um probably the best way the best and easiest way is to, to dm me direct message me at instagram at yancy Culp. um that that's that's probably by far the best you you can email me at the yancy Culp at yancycamp.com you can find all things yancy camp at yancycamp.com all the services we provide for the uh, uh for the most part um if you want to, to jump on board my uh, Yancey's Daily Dose of Awesome. Yay, baby. All, you need, all, you need, all you need to do is text. Gosh, dang, that's getting brutal. All text. you need to do is – I can't get out of it. Is text <laughs> um, uh, Yancey Camp, one word, to 41259. That's my, that's my amazing uh, text messaging service through another company that I get a wonderful opportunity to partner with, Off Day Trainer. For any of you fitness coaches out there, check out Off Day Trainer, and they're an amazing service. It allows me to connect through text messaging, which is text messaging shows that have a 98% uh, um, uh, activation rate. Yeah. I mean, it's just people, at, when you text message each other, it's phenomenal communication. It allows me to communicate with hundreds of people uh, conveniently and, and in an organized fashion. And I am the least organized person on the planet. So I lean in on a lot of things that help keep me organized. Give, so a, give us that text again. Uh, text Yancey Camp, one word, to 41259. If you want to join our uh, Yancey's Daily Dose of Awesome. Oh, baby. You know I'm in. I'm in, so, Mikey. Uh, yeah, we Mikey. launched officially. Our 22-day challenge ends Monday. So early next week, we'll officially launch the next uh, – we're, 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 it's a brand new movement, man. Yancey's Daily Dose of Awesome. I've been doing stuff like this for, for years. I'm just organizing it somewhat. Allow, another way for me to reach uh, hundreds, if not thousands of people out there. And, and you know, I'm a, I, always, I always say, I don't care who I'm training, physically, 51% of how I'm training you is going to be mental conditioning. Always. The teeter-totter will always sway towards mental conditioning. I believe in it uh, in a passionate Man, I, I know we've kind of bounced it back and forth many, many times here, but man, I wish we had more time. My wife's yelling at me, my kids. I got, I got a, a, a little, a minute, a little miniature party going out by the pool, and I got to get my ass down there, my butt down there. Sorry, but um, you guys were awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I, I could, uh, I, I could go for a couple more hours. No, I hear you. I hear you, Mikey. Where can they find you? Uh, Icor underscore St. George on Instagram, Mike St. George on Facebook. So basically, two. Gotcha. All right, you can find me at he's at king. Of, he's king of the Instagram filters, man. You gotta check Joe. You gotta check out Mike and his Instagram. Oh, I do. I I love it. I I have my mom I watch. Check out of him. 
Everything is juicy. Everything is juicy. All right, guys, you can uh, you can find me at, at Coach underscore Haas on Instagram and Coach Haas on Facebook. Yancey Cope, you are the man. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, man. You guys, right. drive fast and take chances, man. Hell yeah. Take care. It's a get-to-do life, not a have-to-do life. That's it. Thanks, guys. All right. Mikey. Good stuff. All right, man. Great stuff once again. Um, I'll talk to you on the other side. All right. Sounds good. See you. We're out.